Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to part two of episode 31 of the Pro Wrestling Index. On this edition of the show, Mo Chatra and myself make our predictions for WWE Battleground. And we take your Twitter questions and comments and respond accordingly to the WWE Draft. All that and more in part two of episode 31 of the Pro Wrestling Index, which starts right now. Let's start with uh, Battleground. We'll start at the bottom. Becky Lynch versus Natalia. Uh, this, I think, is Becky Lynch's opportunity. I think it's WWE's opportunity to start building her as the mainstay top female performer on SmackDown. So I think Becky Lynch is going to go over in this thing. I think Natalia is going to help build her. What do you think about this match? Yeah, I agree. Um, it certainly seems that Becky, certainly until Bailey may or may not arrive on um, SmackDown, will be the focal point of the women's division. And... Um, you know, it'd be the right thing to do, I think, as well. Um, Natalia's the more experienced hand, but um, as I mentioned earlier, she's not all that over. Whereas Becky Lynch um, certainly got more fan interest in her. So um, Becky Lynch is the more fresh character, and um, that would be the right thing to do. So I'd be very surprised if uh, there's any outcome other than Becky Lynch winning. Okay. Um, next up, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Now, I think this is... Um uh, probably the last time uh, that we're going to see these two battle it out because it's well not the last time forever, but I think at least I think they'll both go in their own separate directions after that. Even though they're they're both going to be on Raw, which okay, uh, this feud has to at least temporarily come to an end at some point. Uh, and so I'm I'm high on Sami Zayn right now because I think WWE is high on him. Uh, you've also got Kevin Owens saying, hey, I, I should have been drafted earlier and all that. I've got something to prove. I just have the feeling that the baby face goes over in this one. I think Sami Zayn gets the win. What do you think? Well, I disagree. I, I'd actually like to see um, Kevin Owens go over. Um, as I talked about several months ago, um, you know, I, I feel that there's a world title run in the offing for Kevin Owens. Um, I think that some of the work he's done since WrestleMania in particular has been fantastic. Um, which pay-per-view was it after WrestleMania? Um, 
I can't, I can't remember the name. Backlash? No, that was the old one. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> um, thought, I thought Backlash. Too. Extreme Rules, I think. Extreme yeah. Rules, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought we had a great night that night, and uh, you know, really came across like a um, a top top star. And um, I think that this is another guy who, in many ways, is getting over in an organic way that. What you see is what you get with Kevin Owens, and um, you know when he delivers a promo, it very much feels like um, you know the person himself is saying what he feels rather than regurgitating what some scriptwriter is giving to him. Um, and you know some of the stuff he when he, when he sits in on commentary, which he does quite often, um, the way he puts down Michael Cole is just a thing of beauty. And uh, you know, it's, it's you know another thing that helps to get him over on top of the fact that he's a fantastic worker. Um, so, of the two, I think that Kevin Owens has got the more upside and the more potential to be a you know a proper, genuine, bona fide main event star. And I think that push towards his world title run has to start from now. And so that's why I'd actually like to see him um, win the match and seal this feud, at least for the time being, um, as the victor and move on to um, a more high-profile opponent um, uh, as we head towards SummerSlam. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you say, um, and, and I, I hope that's the direction they go. I just have a funny feeling that WWE uh, has something planned for Sami Zayn. And um, I think the fact that they drafted him uh, pretty high, I think they drafted him 11th overall uh, onto Raw, I think indicates to me that they've got something uh, up their sleeve for this guy. So um, we'll see. Uh, Next up, Sasha Banks and a mystery partner versus the WWE Women's Champion Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Now, a lot of people are speculating this mystery partner will be Bayley. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think it's going to be Nia Jax. And the reason why I think that is because, not because I think Nia Jax being paired with Sasha Banks is good for Sasha. It doesn't help her as a babyface to have a partner that looks like she could be her bodyguard. But I think that it will give this this feud an opportunity to break apart so that we have Sasha versus Charlotte one-on-one for the title at SummerSlam and the two powerhouses of the women's division, Dana Brooke versus Nia Jax going forward as a new feud. What say you, Mo? Yeah, actually, that's a good call. I mean, my instinct would have been to expect maybe uh, a Bailey to be that surprise entrant into that tag match. But um, given what you just explained, um, Nia Jax would actually make a lot of sense, especially given that she, like the other three, has been drafted to Raw. Um, so that certainly helped to act as a good distraction um, for the following few weeks in terms of a potential singles feud between her and Dana Brooke, leaving Charlotte and Sasha to get on with it in the lead-up to SummerSlam. Um, and if that's the case, um, I think that that's good, smart, clever booking um, and be a good way to debut Nia Jax um, to, the, uh, to the mainstream uh, main roster crowd. So... Um, in terms of who might go over from that match, um, I, I would suspect um, somebody like uh, Sasha getting the win over Charlotte might be a good thing to do in the lead-up to SummerSlam. I think that SummerSlam would be the right occasion for Sasha Banks to finally win the title. Um, and I, I think they'd like to go in that direction. Um, and you know, perhaps 
Sasha getting that win over Charlotte in the tag match might be a good way to set that up. Yeah, that and it would also uh, create a lot of um, intrigue around it because generally speaking, uh, from a booking standpoint, you wouldn't have Sasha beat Charlotte before they would have a one-on-one competition. Anybody that follows WWE knows that a lot of times these talents have to get their, quote, wins back. So it would make a lot of people think that perhaps Sasha won't beat Charlotte at SummerSlam. So I'm going to have to agree with you. I think Sasha and Nia Jax, who I'm picking to be the mystery partner, go over. And I think uh, perhaps Charlotte gets the pinfall. If she doesn't, I think Nia will over Dana. Um, Next up, the New Day versus the Wyatt family. This is a very, very interesting matchup. And I have a theory here, but I want to find out what you think first, Mo. Uh, well, if that theory is uh, heel turn by one member of the New Day, then I wouldn't be surprised because there have been slight kind of hints that all is obviously not well within the New Day camp with Xavier Woods seemingly ruffled by uh, the Wyatts. And we had that brief moment, I think it was on Roy, it might have been on SmackDown this week, that um, momentarily Bray had... Um, Xavier Woods in some kind of um, hypnotic state under his control. Um, maybe that that hinted at possibly something happening um, on 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 the show at Battleground. And if that was to be the case, I'd be actually quite disappointed because I still enjoy the New Day. I mean, for some they they are a bit of a tired act. I don't think that's the case at all. I think they are still very relevant, very fresh. Uh, and very interesting. And the only thing that perhaps um, makes them feel a bit tired and overexposed is the fact that they've been the uh, tag team champions for close to a year now. Um, but I, I still think that as a triumvirate, they've got a lot to offer. And I think it'd be a shame if uh, Xavier Woods were to split up from them. Um, is that your theory? Or is no. It something else? No, it is not my theory. So I'm, oh. glad, I'm glad that you went in that direction because I'm going – in the polar opposite direction. I think the Xavier Woods deal has been the old sleight of hand and the magic trick here. Braun Strowman has been drafted to Monday Night Raw. If you notice, Bray Wyatt was drafted to SmackDown, not the Wyatt family. Now, I think Eric Rowan is on his way to SmackDown, but Braun Strowman is not. I've also noticed a bit of a change recently in the way Bray Wyatt has been presenting himself, doing a little bit of the dreadlocks with the hair, all that stuff. Bray Wyatt's headed to SmackDown. We don't know whether he'll be there with other members of the Wyatt family or not. There's a lot that's up in the air about this. I think the New Day go over in this match. And I think afterwards there is a level of frustration which has built up for some time within the Wyatt family because Bray Wyatt has done a lot of preaching, but he hasn't delivered as much as they had hoped. I think the Wyatt family turns on Bray Wyatt here. And I think Bray Wyatt, I think this is the beginning of a Bray Wyatt face turn as a single star by himself on SmackDown. Well, that's certainly an interesting theory. Um, There has been talk in the past about not so much Bray Wyatt going out as a single star, which they did try briefly, um, I think, last year. um, But certainly it's turning face. And uh, it'd be interesting to see how that character might work as a face. Um, certainly, I mean, it's, it's it's easy for the crowd to get behind him and certain sections of the crowd and fan base certainly are already behind him. But um, to actually present him and book him as a face, um, 
given the type of character he is, that that'd certainly be um, an interesting challenge for WWE creators. See, they've done it with The Undertaker, though. They've done it with The Undertaker. So, so they don't have to change mm. a whole lot about what Bray Wyatt's doing. They just have to make a few slight adjustments, but I think it's a possibility. We'll see. You know what? I'm going out on a limb here with that, but I just have a funny feeling. Oh, okay. We'll the see. Winds of change are blowing in. Okay, next up, Chris Jericho's highlight reel with Randy Orton. This is fascinating. I have no idea why Randy Orton and Chris Jericho are in the same ring together, unless it's to serve as an alternative in the event that Mr. Brock Lesnar, who has now failed a second drug test, may not be available for SummerSlam. What do you think about that? Well, it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, obviously, Randy Orton um, coming back to you know the WWE after several months away um, is, again, good for the company, um, along with all the other recent returns they've had. And, um, you know, he will be, you know, certainly a valuable asset for them on SmackDown. He's still a very, very good worker. As to whether he'll have his match with Brock Lesnar, I think he will. Um, obviously, the publicity around the drug test is not something that is great for him or the WWE, for that matter. Um, certainly, a lot of questions have been asked about the WWE's wellness policy um, in light of the fact that, obviously, the UFC testing has um, found him to fail um, drug tests. Um, but that said, I, I think that they all try and deal with that matter separately to the fact that, you know, they've got SummerSlam coming up and they want to use that show um, to try and maximize uh, subscriptions to the network uh, for those that can't watch it for free. So, you know, I, I think that if anything, it'll be used to set that match up and you know, there might be a um, surprise um, appearance by Brock. Um, I certainly don't think there'll be anything... Um, planned around setting up a match between Jericho and uh, Randy Orton, largely because they are on separate brands. And um, whilst there is that possibility that for SummerSlam we will have cross-brand matches, I think that certainly, you know, in this very early stage of the brand split, um, they'll try and book SummerSlam to have a show full of uh, matches that are either Raw only or SmackDown only. Okay, fair enough. We'll see. Um, I I don't know. WWE is in a pickle here uh, because they've got a guy. They've got the the person they want to be the next guy, or as GBL calls him, the guy. Roman Reigns coming off of a 30-day suspension, getting popped for the wellness policy. He was taking something he shouldn't have been, or he was doing something he shouldn't have been. And now Brock Lesnar has been caught with his hand in a cookie jar, not once but twice by the USADA. WWE is a publicly traded company, and they have investors they have to answer to. And the publicity that's being generated by Brock Lesnar's uh, failed drug test right now is not good news for those stockholders. And I think that WWE may have to make a decision here. Um, we'll see. Uh, I want Brock Lesnar to be a part of SummerSlam. Make no mistake about it. I do. I'm not on some personal crusade here because Roman Reigns got suspended. That means Brock needs to get suspended. But I do think that the policy should uh, apply to everybody and not just some performers. Um, next up, Rusev versus Zack Ryder for the WWE Championship. Um, listen, <laughs> Rusev, right? Rusev over. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, you know, Zach, <laughs> it, 
Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to next. The next. next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Miz versus Darren Young. Make Darren Young great again. That's what Bob Backlund's trying to do. And uh, got a nice pop on SmackDown for that cross-faced chicken wing, by the way. Uh, the WWE Intercontinental Championship is up for grabs. Darren Young versus The Miz. This is interesting. Uh, where are you going with this one, Mo? Yeah, I mean, these guys had a segment. Again, I can't remember if it was on Raw or SmackDown, um, an interview segment. And uh, that was actually really good. It was a really well done thing. Um, the Miz presented uh, a highlights package on uh, the Titan Tron of Bob Backlund. Um, and, uh, you know, that showed some of his classic moments from his career. And then he said, OK, here's a highlight package of Darren Young's career. And it was a test screen. And, um, you know, even Darren Young had to laugh at that. It was it was really good. Um, so surprisingly, this program has actually got my attention in a good way. And um, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing what happens in this match. Um, as to whether Darren Young will be put over and win, win, win the Intercontinental title, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, he's up until about three or four weeks ago, um, been almost an entity um, since he um, um, broke up with uh, Titus O'Neil. So I think his push or mini push will still continue, um, but not to the extent that they'll put one of their um, most important titles on him. So miss to retain um, and move on in a different direction. Uh, yeah, I agree. They they may have one more match after this, perhaps at SummerSlam. Um, but, uh, you know, Darren Young's got a nice push right now, and uh, it's up to him whether or not he can continue this. I think the pairing with him and Bob Backlund has actually worked out pretty well. It's been very entertaining. Uh, but The Miz is doing something here with the Intercontinental Championship, and I see no reason to take it off of him right now. Uh, he, you know, I did a, a mock draft on my other podcast, and based on the folks that were available on the board, I took him third at the time uh, for, for my brand. I'm high on The Miz's work right now, and I think this is the best run he's had in WWE in the 10 years or so he's been there. There's no reason to change that right now, so I'm going to stick with The Miz and say he goes over in this one. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, we have John Cena, Enzo, and Big Cass versus AJ Styles and the club. This right here is interesting. If you had told me a few weeks ago that Enzo and Big Cass would be teaming up with John Cena on a pay-per-view to take on AJ Styles and the Bullet Club, I would have told you you're crazy. But we're going to see this matchup, and um, hopefully we'll see beat up John Cena. But Because <laughs> um, obviously I'm team Bullet Club here. But th I think this is going to be a fun match. It's going to be an interesting match. And uh, AJ and John Cena are both headed to SmackDown, but uh, the other members of the club, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, are headed to Raw. So this will be the last time that AJ partners up with these two guys. Uh, what uh, is your feeling here, Mo? Yeah, it might be quite interesting how they go with this. Um, you know, what one possibility they might decide to go down is to make it public that Anderson and Gallows are going to form a new formation with someone else in the, in the shape of Finn Balor. And if that's the case, what better way to debut him than to um, have him come out and uh, stomp a mud hole through AJ Styles um, and reunite with um, his former friends from New Japan, Gallows and Anderson. Um, and if that was to happen, then it likely mean that... Uh, 
the team has seen her more in big cash would win. Um, but they might decide to hold that off completely and um, debut uh, Finn Balor as a face the next night on Raw, in which case, obviously, um, he won't feature as part of that match. I, I actually can't call this match. I, there's so many different ways this can go. Um, I mean, what I can say is it will almost certainly be a really good match. Um, it's fantastic talents in the contest. In terms of what happens, though, um, it's difficult to say. I mean, will, will they look to go and progress the AJ Styles John Cena thing to continue into SummerSlam, or will they look to set up something else for Styles and Cena in separate directions going into SummerSlam? Uh, who, who's to know at this stage? But um, as for the match itself, that's one thing I've got no doubts about, and I'm sure it'll be a good one. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be a great match. Um, and and I, I think um, if WWE wants to keep it simple, stupid, uh, what they could do is they could book this very, very simply by saying, you know what? John Cena's in a vulnerable position. AJ Styles has an opportunity, along with the club, to finally finish this guy off once and for all. AJ Styles opts out. The club beats his ass. They walk off. Enzo or Big Cass get the pin. John Cena realizes that AJ Styles isn't the man that he's been portraying himself to be. Could be a return to face and a final matchup between AJ Styles and John Cena once and for all without the club at ringside at SummerSlam to find out, finally, who the best man is. And I think that's a match everybody could get behind. So I think um, that's a direction they should probably go with this thing. But we'll see. Um, but I do think no matter how they book it, John Cena, Enzo, and Big Cass will be going over in this one. Um, all right, here we go. The WWE World Heavyweight Championship is up for grabs. Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins versus the polarizing, air quotes, polarizing, Roman Reigns. So Roman's coming back from suspension. No way they're going to put Roman over in this thing, right? <laughs> would that, not be, would that not be Vince's finest troll job since he uh, re revealed himself as the higher power? <laughs> well, it would be typical, Vince, wouldn't it, to say, damn it, Roman's my guy, and you'll learn to love him whether yes. you like it or not. You know, um, and, you know, the, the reaction to Roman Reigns on this show, even if he hadn't been out for 30 days due to wellness policy violations. He's going to get killed by the crowd. Oh, God, yeah. It's going to be it, like the Roman Coliseum it, all over. It'll be worse than ever. Um and I'm sure he's bracing himself for that, but uh, yeah, it's going to be vociferous. Um, and there'll probably be signs that, you know, obviously security will try and confiscate as people come in, but there'll probably be the odd two or three that will sneak in, which, uh, you know, will be, you know, further embarrassment to Roman and the WWE. Um, but uh, yeah, it will certainly be lively. Um, you know, just for the fact that Roman Reigns will be there. After I want to I want to issue a challenge to our listeners. Um, come up with the tweet at the show at PW underscore index or at myself or at Mo on Twitter and tell us what you think is the best chant for Roman Reigns on Sunday night, because I think there's going to be some fantastic chants. I want to see what our listeners come up with. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think with this match, though, um, I actually think Ambrose might retain the title. I think he might just do it. Um, wow. I, I think he will almost certainly lose the title at SummerSlam. Um, and obviously, if that happens, it will be against um, somebody on the SmackDown side, which means it won't be 
Reigns or Rollins because obviously they'll be over on Raw. Um, but um, yeah, I, I've got a feeling that on this occasion, because they've end up in a situation whereby um, one roster is noticeably uh, weaker than than the other, i.e. SmackDown, um, they'll perhaps try and compensate for that in a way by having the WWE champion over on SmackDown, and, and that in, on this occasion will be Ambrose, and they'll look to create a new title, um, which again we talked about last week, and um, that'll be the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and they're going to put that on Raw, you think? Yes, and obviously that'll be different to how they used to do it under the brand extension days when it was usually the World Heavyweight Championship on SmackDown and the WWE Championship on Raw. Uh, but that that's just my gut feel. Uh, and if they decide to have the WWE Championship on Raw, then obviously the title will have to switch hands uh, this Sunday night and obviously it will go to either Reigns or Rollins. But um, no, I, I think they're going to try and swerve everyone and uh, actually end up with Ambrose as a champion because, you know, there's so many people um, who, who think Ambrose is is there just to um, kind of hold the title and keep it warm um, whilst um, Roman Reigns makes his return. Uh, but I, I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to try and surprise people and have Ambrose retain. That's interesting. Dean Ambrose uh, on SmackDown got a clean victory over Seth Rollins in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. And and when that happened, I said to myself, Rollins is winning the title on Sunday. But after hearing that explanation, I'm almost convinced that Ambrose now is going to retain the title. Um, because that would make sense. I, I thought that Tuesday night there would be some sort of tomfoolery by both of the the respective GMs or commissioners, which would result in them splitting the titles afterwards because you had the draw finish on Monday. You could have done something else on Tuesday in which you could have claimed we don't really have uh, a, a real champion here, so we have to split these titles up. But if you have Ambrose retain, despite Stephanie or Mick Foley or whomever else trying to get involved to get this title onto Raw, then perhaps she comes on Raw the following week and says, to hell with it. We need to have a champion. And um, I don't know if they set up a tournament, if they have a match between the runners-up, or or what they do. Uh, But at the same time, they could also stretch this out until SummerSlam between these three as well. Um, But either way, I do think that right now, SmackDown needs a consolation prize for the fact that their draft was significantly weaker on paper than Raw's. And so for that reason, I'm going to have to agree with you and say that that consolation prize will be the WWE title and Ambrose will retain. But uh, I'll tell you one thing. If they want, I don't know where this show is on Sunday, but wherever it is, if they want that city burned to the ground, then they should put the title on Roman Reigns. (laughs) Yeah, if he wins, they'll all right. That's that's for sure. And um, yeah, it's in your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Oh, uh, great. Well, nothing could possibly go wrong there. (laughs) <laughs> no that'll all happen later this year so yes um yeah no uh, it, uh, uh, you know i'd actually like to see roman reigns win the title just for the reaction um, of the crowd <laughs> but uh no I, th- I think they'll try and avoid um a riot and uh, I, th- I think that's why um they'll try and swerve people on this occasion um but again it, it's one of these matches where 
you know, there's three, you know, very, very uh, plausible scenarios. And each of those three scenarios could result in a very interesting situation uh, for the, you know, falling two days of TV. So, um, you know, it's good in a way that, you know, you go into a show wondering, you know, what could happen and not thinking, right, we, we know pretty much before the match has even occurred and the show's even started exactly what will happen on each show. So, so again, credit to the WWE. They've created some decent amount of intrigue for quite a few of these matches on the card. Um, and in fact, there is the one match we have not talked about, which is um, Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens, right? Oh, no, we, we covered that earlier. Oh, we did. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's my that's my uh, old age, I think. And is it? Probably going to see. Yeah. It, it is yeah. a little bit later over there too than it is here. So <laughs> it is. That's I'll, my I'll, excuse. I'll, I'll hand that to you. But um, I think Battleground's shaping up to be um, an interesting card on Sunday, and and um, and I'll definitely be tuning in for that. All right. Listen, we um, we have an incredible mailbag this week, and I'm going to try and get to as many questions as I can. We're kind of running over time here a little bit because we've had so much to cover. Uh, but we're going to get right into it. I want to thank everybody for sending their questions and comments regarding the draft and SmackDown Live to us. This is a contentious um, result. There's no doubt about it. A lot of people were very upset uh, about this draft. So <laughs> let's let's share some of their comments and we'll respond. The first comes from our friend Sam McGuire at Sam McGuire 90 on Twitter. He said, why did the draft promise so much but fail so miserably? <laughs> To deliver. Well, I don't know if that's a, um, a rhetorical question or not, Sam, but why don't you try and take it away there, Mo? Well, um, I, you know, I personally cannot disagree at all. You know, I had such high hopes and, um, you know, I think I tweeted that, um, you know, why, why did I have such high hopes? Because whenever WWE has an opportunity to do something really good, more often than not these days, um, they uh, they let us down. And I, I felt that the show was a big letdown. Um, you know, even despite the fact that as a show, as a standalone show, um, it was actually a decent show. But it was the outcome of all the decisions that manifested during those two hours um, that are the big letdown. And, um, you know, the way that the rosters have shaped up overall in SmackDown are, you know, so severely disappointing uh, for all the reasons that we discussed earlier in this podcast. Um, but, you know, given the WWE's track record, you know, Sam, I, I just don't think we, we should be surprised. Um, but I do hold out hope, um, just like, you know, many of our listeners are Liverpool fans, just like we hold out hope that, you know, one day we'll win the league. Um, so fans of the WWE hold out hope that the WWE will, you know, get their shit together and, you know, become an awesome wrestling promotion once again. And, you know, they've got the ingredients there to, to be a kick-ass wrestling promotion. Um, but, um, you know, for, for a variety of reasons, that's just not quite happening. Um, but again, as I said earlier, you know, let's give these guys the benefit of the doubt uh, once more and see if they can produce the goods Battleground, Raw and SmackDown, um, you know, Sunday, Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, you never know, they might just do it. And if they do, um, then going into SummerSlam, you know, we might be in for a, a good good few weeks. So, um, you know, let's give them a chance as well. 
Yeah, it's more of the same. We are stuck in a bad relationship that we just can't leave, Sam. Listen, I, I remember the first time I lost my virginity to WWF, <laughs> and I've been uh, thinking ever since, how could she and I get back to that that place that we were at so many years ago? And so um, why <laughs> did the draft underperform? Because that's what she does. Listen, <laughs> we're married now, okay? <laughs> what more can I expect? Um, next up is a uh, question from Nigel Dash LFC. So you wouldn't. Yeah, what, what? Sorry, you, so you, you wouldn't you wouldn't two time on her with TNA then? You know what? I haven't heard good things about TNA. You know, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where it's like you know I see TNA at the bar from time to time, Mo, and I look over at her. She can't handle her liquor. Um, <laughs> you know, she she's got she's got a lot of problems. She's always broke. She's always broke. So I'm like, so she can't pay for her own meals. I'm not even I'm not even about to buy her a drink because, I mean, she starts taking shots as soon as happy hour begins. Um, you, you know, so it's just one of those things where it's like TNA may be for some people, but she's just not for me. You know, WWE and I have been together for a long time, so it is what it is. Uh, the next question comes from Nigel Dash LFC at Nigel W001 on Twitter. Okay. So uh, that's a, it's a long Twitter handle, Nigel. Uh, the draft and brand split didn't really work last time. Uh, not sure how it can this time. Uh, what do you think about that, Mo? Nigel also feeling a little bit like Sam, underwhelmed here, and he doesn't think it can work this time because it didn't last. Well, the reason it didn't last and work last time is because the two shows almost merged into one that increasingly the talents were crossing between Raw and SmackDown. And um, as we talked about at length last week, they need to do everything possible to keep the two brands separate. And if they do that, despite the random nature of the two rosters and how they've kind of ended up, um, it could still work so that, you know, if they have um, a draft once a year, it could actually become a really big event. Um, but for that to be a big event, they've got to keep the two as far apart as possible. And, you know, I'm still willing to give the company the benefit of the doubt. And if they allow the talent um, and allow the bookers to, um, you know, express themselves a bit more freely than is otherwise the case, then it's still possible for you know, Raw and SmackDown to develop their own unique identities. Um, so, you know, I, I am down, you know, this week, but having thought about it, I thought, okay, you know, this is not a short-term thing. The WWE are going to try and stick with this and um, see it uh, through over the longer term. And if they do, there's plenty of time uh, for this to turn around and actually turn into something good. So, you know, I'm, I'm perhaps being a bit more positive about this than I was um, a couple of days ago. Um, but let, let's just see how things pan out um, over the next uh, three, four days with, as I said earlier, Battleground, Raw and SmackDown. All right. Well, here's, um, you know, I, I guess I should probably respond to that first. Um, how could it be different this time? I think that this time we have a ton of young talent that's ripe and ready to make both of these brands succeed, and a lot of that talent is in NXT. I also think there's a lot of talent that hasn't realized its potential for one reason or another that are already on both of these rosters. Um, I also think that it really, really helps that SmackDown is live on Tuesdays. 
And I also think that it helps that SmackDown is only two hours, which means that the segments and the matches that the talent are involved in will mean more. So I'm going to try and be optimistic because of all those reasons and say that that's why this time it could succeed, whereas last time it couldn't. And I want to roll this next question into answering this question right now. The next question comes from our old friend Dave Hendrick at Dave Hendrick underscore AI. Everybody who listens to the channel knows Dave. Um, Dave said, uh, let me pull this up here. Do you think the champ should be on both shows and defend against someone from each show on a rotating basis? So to answer this question and the last one, I have been a fan. I have been a proponent from the very beginning of having one title. Because I feel like if you don't, then you're opening Pandora's box and you're having to have multiple championships in different divisions on both shows, and it would make all the titles mean less. But in retrospect, and looking at this now and seeing how the SmackDown roster doesn't quite match up to Raw's, you almost inevitably need to have two championships at this point because you have to give some of this other talent an opportunity to be showcased. And I realize that the, t the talent makes the title. The title doesn't make the talent. I understand that. But there are a lot of talents that are on these respective rosters that could make the title. They just haven't been given a chance yet. Having that second championship gives the Finn Balors of the world or the Kevin Owens of the world an opportunity to showcase and an opportunity to be in a spotlight that they otherwise wouldn't have been in. Think Jeff Hardy. If there wasn't two titles... Where would have he been? And so that's really the point, is that I think at this point, and the same thing goes for when you look at the tag teams that were drafted to SmackDown. Okay, great, American Alpha's on SmackDown. Well, who the hell do they feud with? And what's the purpose of them being there if there's not a championship on that brand for them to wrestle for? Which means inevitably you need to have two tag team championships as well, or four tag team championships in this point. So uh, that would be my response to Dave's question and to the last one. What say you, Mo? Yeah, I agree. Um, there has to be two as far as I'm concerned. You now, if we've got just the one. I mean, I didn't feel this switch. way before, but the, the way the draft's shaken out now, I mean, I've I got to change my mind on this, you know? Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, ever since the brand split was announced, um, I've always consistently maintained that um, for it to work, there has to be two champions. I don't like two world champions in the same company, but they're trying to present this as two different companies, essentially. So if that's the case, there has to be two different world champions. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm certain that that's the direction. It's not been confirmed yet. I mean, for all we know, they might decide to just have one champion that floats between the two brands, um, despite the fact that everyone's been allocated to one brand or the other, except for Heath Slater. So it could be Heath that floats between the two, but <laughs> you know, the chances of that happening might are probably even more remote than Leicester city winning the league. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm virtually certain as certain can be that, you know, we will have two champions and I think that's the right call. Our next question comes from Nick Turner at Nick Turner 13 on Twitter. Uh, he says, isn't it sad that Nakamura wasn't one of the NXT picks? I was hoping he would take the WWE by storm. Well, Nick, I still think that he will take the WWE by storm in the future, but I, I too was disappointed. I was hoping we were going to see him as part of a draft. I know he was on both of my mock draft boards that I did 
Uh, what do you say, Mo, about this? Yeah, I, I didn't expect him um, to debut just yet. Um, I think it would have been great. He certainly is easily deserving of a spot on the main roster, uh, but I think they want to keep him around on the uh, NXT brand for a while yet and perhaps build him up for a special debut um, in the lead-up to at or just after one of the bigger events, and that bigger event might be the Royal Rumble, or even around WrestleMania time, they might even wait till then uh, before they bring him along. Um, but when he does debut, I'm sure he'll be a roaring success because, um, as he's already proven in his short time in NXT, um, his charisma and his in-ring talent um, is it speaks a universal language that um, you know just appeals to fans um, for, of all backgrounds, and um, it's just something that. You know, you cannot be blind to it. It's just there, um, and um, it's, it's just a, a magnificent sight, and he's a magnificent worker. And when he debuts, it will just be a, a wonderful thing. Yeah, one of the most charis charismatic talents I've ever seen in my life, especially when you consider the fact that he speaks very rarely. Um, our next question made me laugh out loud when I was writing this down. This is from Ike at Illini Hockey 3 on Twitter. He's a regular listener of the show. <laughs> Ike asks... <laughs> How is SmackDown going to carry a monthly pay-per-view with that awful roster? <laughs> How are they going to do it, Mo? Come on, they got John Cena and AJ Styles, Ike. It's not that bad. Well, maybe they can headline each show on a monthly basis yeah. and then uh, uh, build the shows around those two guys. But no, uh, it... Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Ike. I mean, it's going to be a really difficult thing for them to pull off. I mean, even when we had the brand extension era, if you want to call it that, um, you know, the SmackDown exclusive pay-per-views were only once every two months, not every single month, um, uh, which is what it seems like we'll be getting um, this time around. Uh, so it will be difficult. And as I mentioned earlier on as well, um, given it's a smaller roster, the different, you know, um, permutations of matches uh, significantly less, less compared to if you had a single roster. Um, so, you know, if anything, I'd be actually inclined to try and book these as um, two-hour shows. I mean, these are not pay-per-views. You know, they're not looking to um, necessarily um, sell these for forty-nine ninety-five or whatever the case may be. Um, this is all about getting people to tune in on a Sunday night. And, you know, if anything, you know, a two-hour show um, with four or five really good matches might be better than trying to pad it out over three hours with, seven, uh, you know, seven or eight matches. Um, so given the smaller roster, um, you know, that would be certainly my recommendation is to perhaps consider smaller two-hour shows. And you can still have a really great two-hour show um, on a monthly basis as your um, Sunday night special um, stroke pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, I, you know what? I, I, I still think there there's more to come here, uh, Ike. I think there is more talent to come to SmackDown. Uh, it's clear at this point, based on the draft picks that they currently have, they're not yet operational. Um, there's not enough tag teams uh, for guys like American Alpha to work. So um, I really think that we're going to see this brand develop um, even further between now and SummerSlam. I think after SummerSlam is when we're truly going to see these two brands sort of emerge as to um, how exactly they're going to work going forward. 
Yeah, just very quickly on that point you just made, um, one thing we do know is that Raw will definitely be expanding because um, on Monday night it was announced by Steph that Cruiserweight Division will uh, will be a division and it will be an exclusive to Raw, uh, which again disappointed me because I wanted to see it on SmackDown. Um, so now I'm worried about how that division might fit in on Raw because I still think they'll try and have more of a well, sorry, less of a focus on the in-ring side of things than perhaps Tuesday night's rule. Um, so, yeah, you know, you know I it, was I was surprised by that too. But but it, it it does it does make in theory on paper on paper it makes sense because much like Nitro when they went to three hours, you use that cruiserweight division in the middle of the show, and it keeps people's eyeballs on the show. Now I'm not confident the WWE is going to do it the way that Bischoff did it, which was the right way to do it. But um, it makes sense because they have more time to use it. But I do agree with you that I'm fearful that there there won't be as much of a focus on the in-ring product. Yeah. So um, and so that that actually I'm glad you brought up the cruiserweight division because that comes into the second part of Ike's question that he had. Who do you think Finn Balor's first feud is going to be with? I think Finn Balor may very well find himself in the cruiserweight division, at least. When this division starts and I could see Finn Balor flanked by the club feuding with a guy like Neville. Mm. Who we saw return this past week um, on, on, on SmackDown, didn't we? Mm -hmm. So, um, no, I actually don't think they will bring him into the cruiserweight division. Oh, okay. Um, and the reason for that is he was very prominently um, featured on the, uh, draft on Tuesday night. Um, he was on the first round before the likes of Roman Reigns and John Cena and Brock Lesnar, um, which suggested to me that they've actually got very, very big plans for Finn Balor. And, uh, you know, that's certainly great for him. But as I commented on Twitter this past week, um, I've actually found his run in NXT to be, if anything, slightly underwhelming. Um, you know, you and I have seen. Uh, some of his great work from over the years in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I don't think he's actually justified um, the kind of hype that surrounds him. Um, I don't think the performances he's been delivering on NXT have quite matched up to um, the heightened and lofty levels of performance that he was delivering in, in New Japan. Um, and I don't know exactly why that is. I don't know if it's injuries or... The fact that he feels that, you know, he should be on the main roster from day one. Um, it could be a variety of things, but I just don't think he's quite, um, you know, you know, wowed everyone in the way he should have. In, in fact, the way that somebody like Nakamura has, I mean, since Nakamura debuted on, on NXT, he's been a revelation. Um, and I just don't feel that um, that same thing's been achieved with... Um, Finn Balor. I mean, sure, his entrances are great, but once the match starts, um, you know, he, he's had some really good matches, some great matches as well. Um, but having seen what he's capable of in New Japan, uh, I just don't think he's quite delivered what he's he's uh, he's got the potential to deliver. So um, I hope that that turns around, and when he debuts on Raw, um, we see the best of him. But um, you know, that that was certainly uh, one comment I put out there, which. Uh, might have, um, again, divided opinion. Well, I think you might be onto something just a little bit. Um, I, 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 you know, a lot of these guys, when they come over, they, they come from Japan. And I mean, Nakamura is a, a different animal, but Nakamura's style is also different than Finn Balor's as well. 
Finn Balor's dialed it back a little bit. Since Finn Balor got to the Performance Center, I think he's had guys in his ear. He's had trainers in his ear. He may have even had Triple H in his ear on many occasions saying, um, uh, do more with less. Um, learn to work the WWE style. And I think you're seeing that a little bit. I can't, and if that's the case, I can't fault Finn Balor for that because what he's trying to do is he's trying to extend his career. What I do fault Finn Balor for is not improving in the promo department. I feel oh, like yeah. the weakest part of his character and his performance in NXT has been that his promos have definitely left something to be desired. Now, he's not on Kalisto level. OK, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, uh, the, you know, dog shit is on that level. Uh, Even I'd be better on promos than Kalisto. <laughs> well, well, listen, you're not giving yourself very much credit. OK, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know some five and six year old children that could probably cut a better promo than what we saw from Kalisto. But anyway, um, here's the thing about Balor is that Balor has to improve in that department if he truly wants to be one of the top dogs in WWE, which is part of the reason why I think he may find himself in the cruiserweight division. Um, and I mean, he'd be a great guy to carry that title as well. Mm. It could put him in a prominent spot. And I think it'd be very serviceable. And, you know, as I've seen from past experience of being a fan of the cruiserweight division, when it was on nitro, um, it wasn't until Chris Jericho grabbed a microphone that anybody was really prominently delivering in the promo department, in the cruiserweight division, because the cruiserweight division is all about the work. It's not about what you're actually doing on the mic or in front of the camera when you're not performing in the ring. And that is some, that's an area that Finn Balor definitely needs to improve on and step his game up in if um, on the main roster he wants to be one of the top talents and one of the marquee guys because he's very marketable, he has an incredible entrance, and he's a great worker. Um, but that is definitely something he has to improve on uh, because we can't criticize Roman Reigns for not being able to deliver in that department but then not criticize Finn Balor when he's on the same level for not being able to deliver in that department either. And um, in NXT, I just don't think he has. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right, listen, we, um, we have one more question and then we got to get out of here. I mean, I've got a ton and I want to thank everybody uh, who tweeted at the show this week and at Mo and myself about this. Uh, but we just had so much to cover. So here's the last question for the show. This comes from David Cresswell at Parrot, F-Y-A-C-E, on Twitter. David said, could the poor draft on SmackDown's part be an angle to have an underdog story where SmackDown actually prevails? So is all of this being done by design, not just because Raw is the flagship show, but being done because there are bigger plans for SmackDown in the future? What do you think about that, Mo? Well, that's a very good point and very interesting one. Um, and you can certainly see the logic behind that because, uh, you know, when Daniel Bryan uh, was announced as the general manager of uh, uh, SmackDown on Raw this past week, um, you know, he was talking a lot about um, being an underdog. And, uh, you know, it can certainly follow through as part of his new role as general manager. And you can even apply that to Shane because, uh, again, within the pecking order of the company, uh, both in storyline and in real life, um, Shane is certainly uh, secondary to Stephanie. So, you know, in terms of taking that further and taking that forward, um, that's certainly um, quite a plausible um, kind of scenario. And, uh, you know, that, that could be an overarching storyline that progresses over a long period of time um, with Shane and, 
Daniel Bryan arguing that you know they were shortchanged um, as part of the draft on Tuesday with SmackDown and um, you know petitioning and lobbying for uh, more star power to come over to them. Um, and that can be overarching in between all the week-to-week stuff, um, which can you know revolve around Vince. And also, as I talked about last week, um, potentially set things up around uh, an eventual Shane McMahon versus Triple H match uh, for later down the line, which may or may not happen all the way down at WrestleMania time. So, um, no, that that's a very good point. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, is uh, I'd like to give WWE more credit for this, and I'd like to say, um, David, that that's a possibility, and I guess it is a possibility, but I just don't think that that's really what's going on here. I think at the end of the day, uh, you're never going to get over on Stephanie. Uh, if you if you remember the uh, segment from Monday Night Mo in which uh, Stephanie and Shane uh, announced their respective uh, general managers for their shows. Stephanie McMahon is just talking over everybody. If you go back to a few weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, this may have been uh, two months ago now, when it was the week after Charlotte had dismissed her father on television. And Stephanie McMahon is laying into Charlotte, telling her how disgraceful she is and all this other stuff and how she's an embarrassment to the women's division. And I thought, are they going somewhere with these two? Is there a program lined up? For, for Charlotte and Stephanie, and nothing ever happened. Nothing ever materialized. So in other words, Stephanie McMahon is able to roam around the show and carte blanche whenever she feels like it, emasculate, or basically read the riot act to talent on television. Even though she's a heel character, she's doing this to heels, and she's killing heel heat. And oh. then there's no response. There's no repercussion. There's no direction. There's no rhyme or reason for it. That's why I've had a problem from day one with this authority storyline stretching out as long as it has. And we are once again seeing some bastardized reincarnation of it once again on SmackDown with her in charge. I don't like it. And one of the biggest reasons I don't like it is the same reason why Cesaro brought this up in his promo, which I realize is a worked shoot. And all this stuff is cleared and that um, it's part of an angle, perhaps. But he was telling the truth when he said that um, and I'm paraphrasing here that the, the GMs or in this case, Stephanie McMahon, they're making this about themselves and it shouldn't be about them. It should be about the talent. I'd like to say that that's going to go in the direction of a storyline, but I suspect that it won't because Dolph Ziggler said the same thing a year ago in a promo and nothing ever happened. I mean, this yeah. I, I so somebody needs to explain to me who has any general knowledge of professional wrestling or sports entertainment at all, who's watched WWE for more than a minute, how it helps Charlotte to be emasculated or to be to talk down to, to be read the riot act by Stephanie McMahon on television for doing a heel move for making a heel decision. And then she's being told by another heel that she's a bad person. Does that make sense to anybody? Maybe only to Vince Russo, um, but no, no, you, you're completely right. It's um, completely nonsensical, and um, the only conclusion I can draw from it is it's purely down to ego gratification. And um, Stephanie wanted to go out there and um, you know not only make herself feel like the boss, um, 
in terms of real life, but also from a storyline perspective as well. You know, how often does she slap performers on TV and get away with it? All the time. You know, yeah, yeah. And, All the time. Uh, you know, the, the, these kinds of things, you know, should be done on a very rare basis. And when they do happen, there should be some comeback. And we never see it. The only time we ever saw any form of comeback was um, with Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania last year. And that ultimately led to nothing either. Um, so it, it's, it's just um, pointless and unnecessary. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know if it's a Steph midlife crisis or what, but you know, she just needs to get over it and move on now. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of ways for her to uh, maintain a heel character without it, um, you know, being at the detriment of um, her, her own talent. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and, and that's, you know, my long-winded answer to that question, David, is the fact that I don't have any confidence that there's a long-term storyline plotted out here for SmackDown to overcome um, Big Bad Monday Night Raw and have some sort of a ratings chase or be the great underdog story because at the end of the day, life really is imitating art here. There is and there is some some tension or some issue behind the scenes. There really is. I really do believe there is between Stephanie and her brother when it comes to who's going to serve in what role and in what capacity in, in behind the scenes in the company, not just on screen. On screen's fine. On screen's not an issue. But it's the fact that Shane McMahon's come back, and now that Shane's there, I'm sure that Shane really wants to be a part of the operational aspects of the company. If he hasn't already picked up some of those responsibilities again, I don't know. But yeah. I can tell you that it doesn't make any sense to me as somebody that not only is a wrestling fan, but somebody who has worked on a television show for nearly three years now and is a part of not only hosting the show but working in the production aspect and some of the writing aspects of the show – to look at this and say that any of this makes any sense to me at all. The draft mm -hmm. I had a hard time computing with. But yeah. when she gets to operate with absolute impunity on the show and do whatever she wants to other talent, especially that Charlotte example that I used, I have very little faith that at the end of the day it will be SmackDown that will be prevailing because they have a long-term plan that was set out to create an underdog story for them. WWE doesn't yeah. book that way unless they're booking for Roman, of course. So indeed, with that, and, and the other point, yeah. sorry, uh, no, just okay. very quickly as well, is that uh, you know beyond storylines, um, you we've all got to appreciate that Monday Night Raw is and always has been and probably always will be the WWE's flagship show, and I don't think the WWE wants to in any way compromise um, that situation or even put that at risk by allowing SmackDown to be seen or perceived as an equal uh, to Monday Night Raw. Um, and that is part of the thing that, you know, again, disappointed me this week was that, you know, they had an opportunity to, you know, create a show um, in SmackDown, which would be as strong as Raw and have two strong shows, lo and behold. Um, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be at the detriment of Raw. Um, but clearly the WWE doesn't see it that way and feels that, you know, any show other than Raw has to be seen as a secondary um, and in some ways inferior show. Um, now, again, let, let's see how things pan out over the coming weeks and months. Um, but certainly in terms of star power, that's something nobody can deny. One show is certainly benefited more than the other where the draft's concerned. And that, you know, to no surprise, has been Raw. 
And and, and to your point, um, you are 100 percent spot on with that, Mo, because there was a period of time roughly 10 years ago, um, actually probably about 11 or 12 years ago, where this was happening. Paul Heyman was running SmackDown. And we all know what eventually happened there. SmackDown was kicking Raw's ass. It was beating Raw on the ratings. It was a more compelling television show. And ultimately, Paul Heyman was let go from the company. And, 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 what, and what we found out about that was that, well, Paul Heyman doesn't play well with others. Well, he was organizing one of the best periods WWE's ever had. And he was doing it on their secondary show. So if that's not an indication that Monday Night Raw will never, uh, will, will always be, excuse me, will always be presented as the flagship show of the company, then I don't know what is. Well, indeed, yeah. It's um, you know, one of these cast iron things that, you know, just as the McMahon family have to be presented as strong um, on TV, so Monday Night Raw has to be presented as superior to all other television brands. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, thanks to everybody for sending in the incredible questions. Apologies to the folks we couldn't get to. Um, this has been a jam-packed show, which may in fact end up being a two-parter. But um, I think we've been able to get all of our fume and frustration out, and hopefully we've served as a microphone, uh, if you will, for others as well. But uh, with that being said, Mo, another great show in the books. Uh, what do you have going on, man, over there in the U.K.? you have any uh, big events you'll be attending soon? And uh, I know you pitched your, your deal on the last show. Um, how did that go? Yeah, it was a great deal of fun. Um, so that was a live one-hour uh, weekly show. It had been off uh, for a few weeks. So we recapped some of the sporting events of the last few weeks and talked about UFC 200, as we know was quite a momentous event in itself. Um, and that was a great deal of fun, and I think I'll be back on again um, on uh, Sports Talk um, again in the, in, in the next few weeks. So, uh, you know, great experience, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. Awesome. Well, congratulations, man. Thanks. Um, well, okay. Well, How about uh, yourself? Well, you know what? I'm doing the same thing I'm always doing. <laughs> I'm, doing <laughs> I'm doing podcasts every day. Um, if you are a fan of sports and pop culture or pro wrestling, which we talk about on this show, um, you can get all that and more. Uh, at opinionpodcast.com myself and brad gilmore host a five day a week podcast called your opinion doesn't matter it's also available on itunes on stitcher radio on TuneIn radio um, or at fnx.network so go check that out every single day we've got new content five days a week monday through friday um, other than that uh, we have a huge event coming up for reality of wrestling on august the 6th we're partnering up with tommy dreamer's house of hardcore uh, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And then on August the 20th, uh, we will be at the World Gym Arena in Texas City, Texas, for Summer of Champions 3 featuring Kurt Angle. And tickets for that are available at realityofwrestling.com. So if you're in Texas, reserve your seat now because that show will sell out. Every Summer of Champions does. And um, the Tommy Dreamer House of Hardcore show is for a good cause. It's for Bustin' for Autism, raising money for autism awareness and you can get tickets for that at houseofhardcore.net so i am a busy beaver and i have an announcement to make that i still can't make but i promise i can make on this show next week about something that i will be doing very very soon and it is cool and kind of surreal so awesome that's it man i mean i'm, I'm all over the place i'm a man about town but um i couldn't do it without you mo chatra and without the listeners 
of this podcast. See, that was my my Mick Foley impression right there. <laughs> Guaranteed cheap pop. So yeah. uh, no, that, that that's great, and uh, looking forward to that announcement. And um, you know, another thing, another thing, just very quickly, we're looking forward to next week is um, all being well. We'll have a, another guest on um, debuting on our show, Processing Index, um, one James Delo, who is the host of the Gorilla Position podcast, which is part of um, Talk Sport here in the UK. Um, so that's a very uh, well-listened-to wrestling podcast, um, very popular one here in the UK. Um, so um, all being well, James will join us next week. Um, to recap Battleground and uh, Raw and SmackDown. So very much looking forward to that, if you can join us. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. And um, listen, we're getting back into the groove here. We're building the momentum once again, just in time, just in time for football season to start and for everyone to not listen to our show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, no. I mean, you know, it's it's a... Great time, you know, for wrestling fans. With plenty to talk about, and um, hopefully, even once the season starts and uh, Liverpool um, aim for a, a league title after all these years, then um, you know we'll be still putting out the content out there and talking about all things wrestling. Because one thing that's guaranteed is there's always plenty to talk about where pro wrestling is concerned. So um, you know, we'll be here to cover it all the way. Absolutely. All right, my friend. Well, another great show in the books. As always, I appreciate you being with us. And uh, thank you to Gags, as always, for the platform. So we'll be back next week with a special guest and our recap of Battleground right here on the Pro Wrestling Index. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.